Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired and he is Kairos Bodley. What's going on, Kairos? Hey, listen. Any chance I get to not work, I'm doing it. I'm taking it. <laughs> Fuck work. <laughs> yeah, I like those words. I like those sentiments and I like your approach. Stick it to the man. Yeah, make sure that um, he pays you double. Unless, mm-hmm. you know, you're obviously not working. You don't be, you, you, you don't deserve to be paid at all. Because the amount of times that you've kind of like, you kind of shaved off work whilst you're at work. I admire that. I love that. That, I have to say, is inspirational to me. I love it. Listen, these patriarchies and pillars in our community who continue to bleed as dry don't deserve anything from us. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> I'm with you. You know what? There's no Chisanga or G this week. It's just us in the hot seat. It's just us with our holsters full of um, what's your uh, what's your weapon of choice? What, what, when when you uh, when you go to the the shooting range or the gun range, what's your your weapon of choice? I don't go to the shooting range. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one of them people who are obsessed with guns. I'm sorry, never even gone once. Not my thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably obsessing about guns and and um, the fact that you guys got it built into your your amendments <laughs> and tarring you with the brush that you know maybe uh, a few other Americans would be. Um, worthy of, but no. I, whenever I think of guns, I think of I think of a, of a Beretta or a Walter PPK, mm. only because those are the guns which they use in old detective movies. But anyway, <laughs> now that my, uh, my my segue has actually been busted, um, we're going to be shooting from the hip. First off, about the good weekend that we had. The good weekend, I think for British mixed martial arts fans and, you know, obviously martial arts fans, combat fans in general. Why I started with British MMA fans, because for the longest while, to be a British uh, MMA fan, I think we touched on it last week. You you guys don't take us seriously, but I hope you're taking us seriously now because this weekend, or this weekend, this past weekend, I should say, at KSW64, we had Jason Radcliffe taking the win. At uh, UFC Vegas 41, we had Mason Jones and Jai Herbert, both with exceptional wins. And at Bellator 269, we had Aiden Lee taking exceptional, uh, well, an exceptional finish. Now, I I just really want to hone in on Mason Jones and Jai Herbert because both of them um, had exceptional wins and a lot of store was being put by their opponents. I'm not sure if you noticed that because... For me, um, Kama Worthy was the talking point on the timeline I saw. And a lot of people were writing Jai Herbert off. And for me, you know, you know, Jai Herbert put in an exceptional performance, given the rotten luck that he's had since being signed, given what's ringing in my ears every time that I hear the words Jai Herbert, stop the fight, stop the fight. <laughs> 
um, Ala um, um, Dan Hardy. Um, I have to say, Kamal Worthy didn't look too dangerous at any point in that fight. Exceptional performances from Jai Herbert, exceptional performances from Mason Jones, exceptional performances from Aiden Lee, and an exceptional performance from Jason Radcliffe. But I've waxed lyrical about the Brits so far this weekend. I'm going to allow you to interject what actually, you know, what actually took your fancy in terms of what went down this past weekend. You, um, you made me eat my words. I, w- I stood here confidently talking about how I wasn't worried about the Brits. I was like, I'm more interested in watching Kamal Worthy, this, and look what the fuck happened. Look, mm. look what happens when I just take a stance against you guys. It always just explodes back in my face, I guess. It does. I'm glad that that happened for y'all. Um, this week's even better because you have, uh, who is it that's fighting? Charles Jordan. You have Lerone Murphy. Lerone is it Charles Murphy? Is, it might be Charles Jordan. I'm yeah, I think so. Um, I no, like he's not be- fighting Charles Jordan. Lauren Murphy, Murphy is clashing Amir. Uh, sorry, um, Makwan Americani. Makwan Americani. That's it. Yeah. My fault. My fault. Yeah, it was supposed to be Charles Jordan, but one of them pulled out. Um, I don't think Makwan has a chance in this one. I'm, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna keep it a buck with you. I respect Lauren a lot, and I think Makwan's had a dozen chances to improve upon his weaknesses, and I just don't see them like closing in time for this one. So that's good for y'all. Y'all are just going to keep it rolling. I just think that if you are fighting or if you are clashing a man who got shot in the face and spat out that bullet, I just find that as a, a, an, an, an unbeatable opponent. That is something <laughs> that you're going to have to put down, like literally put down. And um, I'm just high on Lerone Murphy because I didn't think he stood a chance when he, um, again, at Fight Island, um, in his UFC debut, but man, he shut my mouth because remember the whole thing. I'm not sure if you remember the discussion we had it was that Lorraine Murphy wasn't battle tested um, on anywhere apart from the regional and the small regional scene. He shut my mouth and that immediately, that immediately made me a fan. I'm a fan first and a media outlet owner second. And I'm very, very high on, on Lauren Murphy. And I do see him, just like you just said and acknowledged, I do see him coming away with um, an emphatic win over Maquan Americani. But I just want to circle back because there's just something that I, I, I forgot to actually mention. It was good to see UFC athlete or ex-UFC athlete Gokan Saki returning to his natural home glory over the past weekend, <laughs> giving James McSweeney the festival of all festivals of leg kicks, so much so that James couldn't stand after the barrage of shots that he took to the leg. It was fantastic to see that um, actually go down. But um, without further ado then, I think it's down to our subjects that we're bringing to the table this week. And... Um, you know what? Because it's Black History Month, I'm gonna allow you to take the floor, my brother. What are you bringing to the table this week? Oh, thank you so much. That's nice. So this past weekend, the contender, the contender series had their 45th event. Um, two guys are squaring off: uh, Oran Galan, I believe that's how you say it, and uh, Javid uh, Basharat. And so. What happened was Oran missed weight by like, I think it was one pound, maybe three pounds. It was something in the neighborhood of that. And he extended himself to shake uh, Javid's hand. 
And Javid wasn't having it. I don't blame him. You don't, you don't owe anybody no fucking handshake. Fuck that. So <laughs> Javid didn't shake his hand. And Oran started talking shit. And Javid responded back. And then Oran then called him a terrorist unprovoked, like out of the blue. And instead of, you know, it being a big deal and people talking about, some people talked about it. You know, the usual circles of MMA Twitter talked about it. Yeah. Like people yeah. who that concerns talked about it. But like, you didn't see anything from the UFC. You didn't see mm. anything from management teams like it it seemed like they were just like okay cool this is mma you know these are the characters that we have just call a random person a terrorist just because they come from afghanistan Mm -hmm. and uh they let the cards fall as they may and i've just in my mind i'm wondering two things one was this a situation where a fighter should have been like you know what no that's a lot to put on his shoulders i feel like that's too much i guess the better question be what should the ufc have done in that situation rather than just say nothing say all right fuck it the fight's going on and he missed weight we're just going to continue empowering pieces of shit in our organization and let the cards fall as they may they should do what they have done up until this point nothing mm-hmm. they allow racism they allow sexism they allow all manner of indiscretions up to a certain level but when it comes down to racism that doesn't actually pique their interest or their radar whenever it actually comes up we've seen it i mean you you name it where racism is concerned mike perry brought that to the table nothing done colby covington brought that to the table nothing done paddy pimlet brought that to the table albeit in historic tweets but still with his chest was defending it what is racist about what i said nothing done there are brand values which we discussed slightly last week again, which come into play here. If we are talking about fighters and we're talking about men and women who clash in the cage, who are you, and this is the UFC speaking now, who are you to tell them what is right and what is proper, what is prim and what is acceptable, given that these two individuals who meet mano humano in the cage are there to finish each other. Not literally, figuratively, because obviously you know how these things go down. It's not a gladiatorial fest here. This isn't the old days of the Colosseum. But my fact is this, skirting around this issue, I'm gonna get straight to the point. They do not care. Matters of race do not register on their radar. And as I mentioned before, brand values do suggest that this is about the most colorful individuals. This is about the most heated situations. This is about things which move the needle. You are tuning in, no doubt, to see this person win his, with all his indiscretions, be knocked out or knock somebody out. Strangle someone, finish someone. That is what you're tuning in for. You're not there actually judging this person on his moral compass. We've seen this play out time and time again. We need to learn that the UFC do not care. Okay. Does a code of conduct legitimize or delegitimize the sport? Let's just call the code of conduct what it is and what it was. It was a means by which, if I remember rightly, it was Matt, oh God, Matt, Matt Hughes. Matt Hughes? 
I'm not sure where you're going with this, so I don't know. He was the custodian of those um, supposed um, behavioral policies in the Are you European. serious? Yes. Fucking he, mad youths. Unless, I, unless, unless I'm getting my wires crossed. He was the custodian of these rules by which fighters exercise etiquette. Now, if I remember rightly, no one has been replaced as the custodian. No one has been replaced as the manager. No one has been replaced as the keeper of those codes. And the code of conduct basically seems to have gone out the window. Seems to me that the code of conduct was a means by which we could actually um, give ex-employees a job. You might as well have John Jones being the head of ethics. Then if you got Matt Hughes doing the code of conduct, holy shit, wow. That would make sense though for the UFC to pull some shit like that though. Okay, okay. All right, you answered my question. Fair enough. Wow. Matt, I got to Google this. I cannot believe they did that shit. Matt Hughes? Matt Hughes on the (laughs) UFC's code of conduct. Hall of Famer Matt Hughes retires, will oversee UFC code of conduct. I knew I didn't imagine that. I knew I didn't make that up. I knew this wasn't a figment of my imagination. Yes, Matt Hughes was the custodian of the UFC code of conduct. Okay, like, fuck it. (laughs) UFC doesn't give a shit. Wow. (laughs) Wow, they got exactly what they wanted. (laughs) But like I say, that was then. Obviously, times have moved on now. Matt Hughes is no longer the custodian. Who is the custodian? I couldn't tell you whether it's a fighter or it's an internal position now filled within the UFC. But all I'm saying, that set the blueprint. Matt Hughes was the custodian of the UFC code of conduct. Why do you think now where we have these indiscretions, they aren't being picked up? They aren't actually being reminded, and this is the athletes, that there is a code of conduct. And if there is an indiscretion, we'll have to have a look at what uh, means by which we can reprimand you based on those codes being violated. So yes, I knew I was right. I knew I didn't make it up. Knew I didn't imagine it. Wow. Goodness gracious, holy shit. It's on to you. I, I'm actually depressed hearing that. Wow. <laughs> I cannot believe this is a real conversation that we just had. It is indeed. It is indeed. So are you, are you telling me that, um, I hate to say this to you, but in many ways, I think you've got quite a romanticized view of the UFC. You see them as an everyday company where, Things make sense and they follow things through to the letter consistently. Consistency is something which you see in most companies. Consistency isn't something which is adhered to in the UFC. There are tiers of what is acceptable and who gets a pass and who doesn't. But Kairos Bodley, as I sit here before you, I'm sorry. I have bad news for you. There is no consistency in the UFC, but I get this constant feeling with you because it comes up quite a lot that you feel that there should be. It's not romanticism. It, it's just, I didn't think the UFC would stoop this low. It's like, I, I, my, my standards are already low, but fuck, 
this is just what like it's not that i oh i expect the usc to be this humanitarian promote but it's just like i feel like certain things are even below the ufc but apparently not like wow good thank you for letting me know about this i feel like a lot of people didn't know that i don't don't think too many people knew matt hughes no Mm -mm. yes okay so you're done yep i'm good to go wow okay well what i'm bringing to the table this week is as i mentioned at the top of the show congratulations my brother we have seen another black history month um almost passed i mean don't get me wrong there's what there's a few more days to go um Mm -hmm. for this auspicious moment this auspicious month which happens twice a year in the states it's february in uh, the uk it's october now it's black history month let me just underline that but bt sport and the ufc do they get a pass because what we saw in February's acknowledgement of Black History Month is they have a different slant on Black History Month than we do. I'm talking about the Chandler effect. Now, do I have a right to be sour? Rain me in, my brother, because we're talking about romanticism just a while ago. Maybe it's my romantic view that it should be acknowledged because of the dearth. Okay, there are a few black athletes in the UFC who are based in this country. Have I got a right to be sour that BT Sport, the main carrier for the UFC, have not acknowledged Black History Month? The UFC have not acknowledged Black History Month, unless I have missed it. Unless you're going to turn around to me now and say, "Uh, Mike, I'm sorry to embarrass you, but here is a TV spot you may have missed. Here is a web Uh, montage that you definitely should have seen the fact that they haven't acknowledged it I haven't seen anything so feel free to chime in and let me know that but my real question to you because I've got a feeling that you're going to come up missing nada there is not a minuscule um, mention of Black History Month in the context of mixed martial arts uh, by BT Sport or the UFC acknowledging UK mixed martial artists. Have I got a right to be sour? Mike, I'm sorry that I actually have to agree with you for once, but <laughs> you have the right to be sour. Do you remember when BT Sports was like introducing I, our diverse group of panelists? It was all mm. white people. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was like yep. one woman. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Mm. That was strike one. And that was like a year ago, maybe not a year ago, but that was a few months ago. And I was just like, damn, this is starting off bad. And then like, it was radio silence. I remember we had this exact conversation a year ago and I was back in the UFC. I'm like, they got a whole month to get this right. And if not, they got a whole rest of the year to get it right for the next time. What did they do? They, <laughs> they used Michael Chandler's black son as a, as a, as a prop. I feel mascot. Like a prop, mascot. As a mascot. Yes. mascot or a backup dancer in the Preach, and you guys are slang y'all say backup <laughs> dancer he was the backup dancer yeah. for what they were trying i was like wow i mm. cannot believe y'all did this shit and then y'all doubled down on it and the fan base tripled down on it i was just like okay well i understand now i get it y'all they don't give a fuck about black people they don't give a fuck about black people 
when the Amazon, not the Amazon, when California wildfires were destroying the state, they rallied $400,000 in less than like a day or two to instantly donate to the California wildfire, literally paying to have money set on fire mm. before they, they would decide to think about helping black people out. I'm like, <laughs> during black history, they'd rather burn money than help you black people out. So it's like, you know what? I can't defend them anymore. They had their shot. They've had multiple shots and they continue to show us that it's fuck us. Unless you're trying to help us make money, then only then will we even think about acknowledging you. And even then we probably won't even market you as well as you market other people. So you know what? Fuck UFC, fuck BT sports, fuck, fuck everybody. But you know, that's what I'm asking you to kind of like manage my expectations here because I've no issue with the quote unquote diversity that uh, BT Sports said that with their black tile put and set front and center on Twitter, when they said that black lives matter, when they said that we were gonna be filling our team behind the camera, in front of the camera with a diverse array of individuals. I've no problem with Bisping being brought on board. I've no problem with um, Area Hawani being brought on, on, on. I have no problem with the incumbents, and that is um, Nick Pete and Adam Cattrall, and I forget the lady's name. Um, I'm sure you're going to bring bring her up, but I have got no problem with the undiversity of that team. What I do have a problem with when it's current, when it suits their need, when it's traction field it's okay to be behind us it's okay to be pro-black it's okay to voice an opinion that makes your organization palatable but when all of that died down when all the protests have gone quiet when all the voices have been silenced we hear nothing nada and that's my problem. Don't just speak up when it's fashionable. Don't just speak up when you have traction. Don't just speak up because others are doing it. Be a leader, but more importantly, deliver on what you said that you were going to do at that time. You want to know what's crazy? I was, while you were talking, I was like, you know, I don't think I've ever heard the UFC say anything about Black Lives Matter. I was like, I must be tripping. I must be imagining. I was like, they probably have said it at least once. I was like, they probably have said it at least once in some direct way. And I'm looking and I'm scrolling and I, I look down and I'm at 2021. And I get to the point where I'm at 2014. I'm like, all right, <laughs> they didn't say it. They've never said it because they don't believe in it. And it's funny. The UFC holds this stance on we don't muzzle anybody and anyone is free to believe anything that they want. So if that's the stance that you take, how hard is it for you to take that stance with this? Because if you're free to believe what you want, then, and you believe that Black Lives Matter, then shouldn't you say it? Because you aren't afraid of allowing people to say what they want without backlash and you allow them to do such, but you yourself won't do it. Yet you promote yourself as an organization that does. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's not fucking adding up, Mike. It's not adding up. And you know what? What's crazy about this entire thing is this. I don't think 
I don't think the scenario is going to get any better. Even if every single black fighter on the roster is chanting it and championing it, and even if every black fighter on the roster is, is like, you know what, we're not getting together and we're, I'm not, we're not going to fight and whatever, whatever you could possibly imagine they do in solidarity. Mm. I still don't think the UFC would give a fuck. I think they'd be like, well, they're free to do whatever they want and we support their decision. But I feel like that's as far as the UFC would ever go. It's to like hop, attach their name to it. I realize that perhaps I know the answer to this and perhaps I'm asking you as being the same ethnicity as me and it's maybe the wrong direction in terms of who I should be questioning but I'm going to ask it anywhere anyway should they care look at the demographics look at the traction look at the numbers we are hardly their biggest audience we are hardly their biggest pay-per-view buyer we are hardly those who are consuming their products, sharing their product online. In comparison, I'm just throwing out rough figures there, but I don't see us as their core demographic. I really don't. So are we being unrealistic in saying, you know, the issues that matter to you and I, because race is very important to me. And the fact that acknowledging it, um, when you said that you would, and I'm holding them to that, and they're not doing it. That seems as a slap in the face, but getting back to my original question, my my follow-up question to you, are we being unrealistic in our expectations considering the demographics of what we're talking about here? We're being pretty realistic because we expected them to at least say something, at least do something. They haven't said anything or done anything. I, I feel like our expectations are the bare minimum. The bare fucking minimum. And what's crazy about this is you asked, should they care given their demographics? Now is probably the most important time for them to care. The sport has been growing and has been grabbing in minority communities more so than in the past. From the fan base, from the fighters, from every single facet. Like at, you're going to reach a point where you are behind the eight ball. You're already behind the eight ball. You're going to be further behind the eight ball because of your negligence in acknowledging black people. And then it's just going to get out of control for y'all. Then like, so it's just funny how ne- now is never the right time. And uh, the UFC, you know, I just think that's just the perfect way. Now is never the right time for them. They don't care. They won't ever care. And the only way that they will care is if you have a, per- well, the only way they will care is if the current head of the organization is either removed and someone is put into a different position or people below who are in charge of the PR, who are in charge of the marketing, who are in charge of those things are swapped out. Because at this point, something has to change. The, the, the mechanism is just not clicking. It's just, there's a disconnect. Even when they try, it's a fucking fumble. It's not like, it's bad. It's just not a good look. Damn. Anyway. Moving swiftly on to our final item on the docket. I mean, to be honest with you, I cannot wait for UFC 267. What a sick card. The main event, brilliant. Co-main event, brilliant. The entire flipping main card, absolutely brilliant. But I'm going to just ask you, um, what are the main runners and riders in terms of what's actually uh, piqued your interest or what's going to pique your interest 
this coming Saturday? Um, let me look right now. Sorry. It seems like every person in the world is texting me groundbreaking information right now, trying to ruin my day. But <laughs> Any breaking news? Nothing that I see so far. But um, let's see. From this card, I would say... Ooh, they might hate me for this. The Russians already think I don't fuck with them. <laughs> I'm looking for Lee Jingliang versus Hamzat Shemaya. Why? Me and you both. This is the perfect barometer to test this bullshit that y'all been talking about. Y'all been <laughs> acting like Hamzat Shemaya is the greatest fighter of all time. When his wins have never aged, his wins are aging well. His, you could say, yes, he's been out because of COVID, so he hasn't been as active as he wants to be. And had he been competing actively during this entire time, we'd be seeing him fighting better and better opponents, and he'd be beating them, and then it'd be proving us right in that he's a great fighter. Well, guess what? Now's his fucking opportunity. <laughs> now is the time. The bullshit is done. It is hit it or quit it right now. And I promise you this. I promise you this. If Hamzat Shamayev comes out there and gets fucked up, I don't want to hear it no more. I don't want to hear the shit. I don't want to hear the talking. Yes, Lee Jingliang is a phenomenal fight. But the way y'all talk about Hamzat Shamayev, you think he's the second coming of fucking Anthony Rumble Johnson. Y'all be talking so much about how great he is at finishing. Y'all act like this man is the most complete martial artist on the planet. If he goes out there and gets embarrassed, I don't want to hear that shit anymore. But if he goes out there and puts it to Lee Jingliang or puts on an exciting performance and ends up winning, I will shut the fuck up about Russians. I will shut the fuck up about Hamzat Shemaya, and I will shut the fuck up about saying anything negative about them. But I don't mm. see it going that way. I don't. Oh, I don't. Great tell. Because I'm glad you've touched on Li Jing Liang and Hamzat uh, Shemaya because of the main card. Obviously, I'm looking forward to Plata Yan and uh, Corey Sanagan, Blava Teixeira and Yan Blackowitz, as I said. But for me, the main card, I think a lot of eyes, this is the people's main event. This is the people's main event. People are looking forward to seeing Kamzat Chimaev come back and wreck shop. And I think that he will. This is a tenacious individual who not only beat COVID, he's holding the belt aloft above COVID's head. Remember, this is a man that was suffering from long COVID, beat that into submission. This is a man who came into the UFC on a tear. This is a man who actually ripped through three opponents and was ready to take on Leon Edwards. Come on, give the man his due. This is also the man, I have it on good authority, that used to give, and we're talking about serious problems. Alexander Gustafson, serious issues in the gym. Ragdolled him, terrified him. Oh my Lord. I'm not even going to acknowledge that last part about Alexander Gustafson getting mauled and ragdolled in the gym. I'm not even going to do it. You're not going to bait me down that hole because I'm sick of people using those art. Fuck the gym, man. I'm, you know what? They were always talking about how Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw was going to the gym. They were like, Cody's teeing off on TJ. TJ doesn't say, what the fuck happened when they both fought? They yeah, fucking slept. Uriah Faber versus Scott Jorgensen. Scott Jorgensen was always getting the best of him. The what the fuck happened when Uriah Faber bought him? He got finished. All this talk about gym accolades and gym wars. If the gym fucking mattered, we'd have five million world champions. It doesn't matter what you do in the gym. I do not care. I guess I had someone say last night that Dan Hooker was piecing up Israel Adesanya. Bitch, Israel has him in every single fucking category to known to man. And y'all got the audacity to say he's piecing him up. Anyway, though, let me calm down. You know what? Mm. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say because you got me so mad. But when well, I feel- whilst we recall that then, we're not just talking about any standing. We're not just talking about a body. 
This is Alexander Gustafsson in his prime when he was taking on John Jones and taking it to John Jones. Just remember that. You remember that always. This is the gym, though. You are supposed to give your training partners good looks. You're not supposed to just crush them every opportunity you get. People talk about how the lightweights at AKA are taking down DC and, uh, and repeatedly controlling them on the ground. If DC wanted to, he could break every bone in their bodies. He could break a lightweight's bones. He could break, like, so I just, people got to understand this. We're in the gym, okay? Same thing with any other sport. I'm not, if I am much larger than you, if I am much stronger than you, I'm weight classes above you, I am not going to 100% you all the time. Just not. Can I just, just interject? Because as somebody who spent the last 10 years trailing fighters, doing behind the scenes reportage with these fighters, getting in the innermost sanctum, I have to say, you're talking bollocks. I tell you why. I tell you why. I tell you why. That is the whole point of actually bringing in bodies. That is the whole point of bringing in trained killers so that you can sharpen the opponent before so you can sharpen your skills before you actually go out and face your opponent they're not pitted pattering and paddy caking in there they are seriously going ham depending on what gym you go to okay now mike you are you really going to tell me yeah that daniel cormier mm-hmm. When he was training at AKA and Cain Velasquez, when he was training at AKA, were going 100% on Habib Nurmagomedov when they were grappling. And because of that 100 versus 100, Habib was still managing to take those two gentlemen down and control them repeatedly. Yes, I am telling you that. You know what, Mike? Let's Mm. end this right now. Let's end this call right now. I'm just going to log off. We're going to log off. Listen, we don't even need to go down this route. I don't need, we need to stick to the topic that you presented. You're not going to distract me. The topic is simple. There's a lot of talk for Hamzat right now. Mm. And rightfully so. His performances warrant that. They Thank do. you. I'm not going to, his performances warrant that. Mm. But there's a little too much chatter about his abilities. We have people talking about him fighting champions in two weight classes. You have people talking about pound for pound. That's what I, that's where I draw the line in the sand. I acknowledge his ability. I acknowledge he's a great fighter thus far. Mm. But will I? what will I not tolerate? People putting him in the same conversation as world champions and people sitting in the top three of a division and have who have been sitting in that top three of the division for the past half a decade plus. You got, he hasn't earned that right. He, he has not earned that right. And that's my point. Okay. I'm very excited. You, that- let's, you know, let's make a wager. Let's okay. make a wager. On this Let's thing. go. Let's, well, well, you what, what's the wager? Um, you're usually good with the penalties, but I just want to go head to head with you on this one. I really do want to go to oh, head okay. to head. Okay, fine. But there's got um, to be some kind of like forfeit. Yes, 100%. We have to. We have to. Doing shots? Let's do shots. Let's do shots. Okay. What's the, what's the wager in terms of shots? 12 shots. Because 12 shots. 12 shots for this one. Okay, I'm I'm down. <laughs> I I'm picking Kamzat Chemaev. Twelve shot. I'm picking Lee Jing Liang. Okay, I'm telling you, it's gonna be over. RIP to that liver. Okay, so these twelve shots, just uh, so that we can just um, you know um, sign off the, the the fine print. How are these shots going to be delivered on the show, before the show, after the show? 
how we did last time where it's on the show and we're just talking and we're able to drink them while uh while we're doing it I, i'm just in so it's documented i'm in okay. okay my brother that wraps up another episode of shots fired it has been amazing as always kicking with you my brother there will definitely be a spaces that you're going to be running this yep. weekend i'm going to force you into that space and you will be running it and i will be there and we're going to have a we're going to have a, a great old time this weekend okay. seriously i can't wait you can't, can't come soon enough it's going to be absolutely phenomenal until then take care of yourself brother <laughs>